Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, my name is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, court denies Bitfinex's request to scrap an $850 million fraud investigation. Co-creator of Bitcoin Ponzi scheme, BitClub, pleads guilty. And in our main story, we have Isaiah Jackson, author of Bitcoin and Black America, and we go in depth about how Bitcoin and blockchain could help the black community. All coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Hello and welcome back. Happy Friday. I don't know what your weekend's plans are. I don't know what my weekend plans are, but I am excited that it is the weekend. I hope that you're not one of those people that actually look forward to the weekend. I hope every day is just as good as the last day, no matter if it's a weekday or a weekend. But for some reason, I just feel that this Saturday and Sunday is going to be extra special. I don't know why. I'm feeling good about it. But one thing I'm not feeling good about, though, are those crypto prices. Not looking good today. Let's check them out. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And the prices are down a little bit again today. I thought by midweek, we're going to go into a little bit of a bull. We actually talked about it internally. We said, hey, maybe we should get some traders on and get them on the show to start talking about this bull run. And that was premature because we are down a little bit across the board. Bitcoin's in at $9,177, down 0.7% from yesterday. Ethereum at 239, down half a percent from yesterday. Litecoin, 4409, down 0.6% from yesterday. Down half a percent from yesterday is Bitcoin Cash, 236.65, and XRP down 2% at 19.6 cents. Not big changes in the Bitcoin realm, but much rather have green than red. Fun fact, by the way, if you're in Asia, red is the green. So if your markets are really good, that means they're red, not green. I tell you right now, that confused the hell out of me when I was in Asia for so long until I got used to it. In our main story today, I sit down with the author of Bitcoin in Black America, Isaiah Jackson. Now, I sat down with him as a follow-up to my last week's Friday's episode entitled Learning from Redlining to Protect Us All. In this episode, I went through the history of Northeast Ohio's redlining practices and their unfair contracts and covenants in real estate that excluded Black America from moving to certain neighborhoods. Also, in this episode, I looked at DeFi, or decentralized finance as a way to protect us all black white brown people of a different religion and sexual orientation so that a certain majority could never inflict discrimination against a minority when it comes to building wealth and creating a prosperous life well that led me down the rabbit hole to chat with isaiah who had the same idea that bitcoin and cryptocurrency could be used to empower people enjoy this conversation Isaiah Jackson, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Let's identify the problem. Oh, yeah. So the problem is the Federal Reserve. Uh, that is the root of most of the problems and their practices of printing money at will uh, based off our our agreement uh, to leave the gold standard. So what has happened is we have uh, an inflated currency 
that has taken wealth out of uh, everybody's community, but it has impacted Black community even more uh, to the fact that we have statistics that state that we have the exact same median value as people in the 60s. So even if you feel like you're making more money, inflation kills everything. So that is the root of the problem. And that's why I've offered a, an example of a solution to that with Bitcoin. Let's dive deeper into this problem. You said that wealth is not equal. Can you go into that a little bit? Absolutely. So the inequality of wealth in America uh, is something that is predetermined. Uh, it is something that has been held in high regard by people who want to keep the power. They want to keep uh, inequality wealth because when you have money to support yourself, when you have money to support your communities, their power diminishes. So the only way to actually uh, keep that power is to have wealth inequality. So one of the things that we're seeing um, with the inequality of wealth is general assets that are owned by different communities. Of course, when you're able to own uh, assets such as a home, uh, that is the biggest driver of generational wealth. And we know for a fact that the Black community was uh, shut out from that system or uh, at least diminished greatly based on uh, racist uh, and discriminatory loan practices. So we are starting to see the wealth that we were not able to attain before play out today uh, as unequal. So you have a gap in income, you have a gap in uh, the amount of assets owned, uh, the amount of investments. Uh, these are all big wealth gaps that have to be addressed. And with financial education and you know, with time period we're in right now, it's a lot more uh, people looking to decrease that wealth gap. Wealth and home ownership and business is one aspect of it. I think that one thing that I think opened a lot of people's eyes to the inequalities that are happening in certain neighborhoods or a certain to certain peoples around the country is COVID. I mean, look at the, the inequality when it comes to health, healthcare, and the disparities between who is getting care and who is honestly living and who is dying. Did you see that as well in your research when you were going in your book? Absolutely. So there are many sectors where that inequality uh, plays out because of the inequality of wealth. So for an example, we have a working class that is mostly brown and black people. And because of wealth inequality, they are forced to continue to work right now because they have to make money. They can't just take days off or take a few months off. They're forced basically to work uh, and put themselves at risk, which is why we see the statistics uh, that black and brown people are three times more likely to uh, get COVID and die from it. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't even have these statistics until black and brown people sued uh, to get those statistics even put out in, into the world because people didn't realize who was being affected disproportionately. Wait, 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 you have to stop there for a minute. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. They sued. I didn't know about this. Yep. Yeah. They actually had to sue to get those statistics out. Uh, a group of workers uh, or threatened to sue in order to get this information out because people did not realize that COVID is, uh, uh, of course, because of unequal wealth, affecting black and brown communities more. So, yes, uh, that is just an example of how wealth inequality plays out in something like COVID. Um, another example is the fact that 40 million people are unemployed, but the stock market just hit all time highs today. It's a great disparity between what's actually happening and how our economy is run. And that wealth disparity is is on full display right now. And a lot of people uh, who have protested or people who are, um, you know, going against the establishment as far as how things are going. This is just a perfect example of what we've been talking about before. When you have wealth inequality, when you can't support yourself, you get the short end of the stick in every sector. And healthcare is just one example. Uh, the stock market is another example. So a lot of people will say that there's a bigger conversation to be had when they were talking about this. Is this systemic racism playing out or 
are they really serious when they're saying that there's more to talk about? And what are those things to, if there is more to talk about than the history of the inequalities that were perpetuated mostly by banking practices and clauses and contracts and what have you? Yes. So there is a big, broader problem that affects people across uh, different races and across different classes. However, the problem is when you try to help everybody, you end up helping nobody. So what I would suggest is if there is a problem that affects us all, people in their their select communities find out solutions for that communities. And if we all are on the same page with going forward with something like Bitcoin and blockchain technology, if that's the basis of our economic strategy, then you can solve the problems that are specific to your community with that uh, technology. So even though there is a broader problem, we can't ignore the fact that this problem uh, has come about uh, while simultaneously uh, there are racist practice, practices that essentially gave most white people a head start. And unfortunately, at this point, now that people are starting to realize it, some people are starting to see that some of the wealth that they have, some of the things that they were able to get was either stolen, taken by force, or literally just given to them based on their skin color. And nobody is blaming you for what your grandparents did. However, if you have property and you were able to get uh, financing and loans and pay for college based off of property that may have been stolen or given to you for no reason at all, other than your skin color, then yes, that is a problem that affects directly the black community. And that's what we need to address. And there are certain things that affect us that don't affect other people. Through this COVID time, I thought one of the most interesting things was the, and you mentioned this a couple of times, is the Fed and how the Fed printed money for the most part to prop up the stock market. Who got that money? What businesses got that money and how it was distributed? This is a, I think this is one of the biggest threats to individual rights and personal wealth in the country. But talk about the Fed. Talk about what you saw when you saw the Fed printing money to prop up the stock market and give it to companies and give it to businesses that had nothing to do with our communities. In June 2003, the Fed lowered interest rates down to 1%, which was the lowest in, I believe, 45 years. Um, and they continued this practice, um, lowering the capital requirements for bigger banks. And what I saw when they started printing money this time around is just more of the same. They don't have any other solution other than to print money. That's why I've been known to say very often that banks and the Fed will eat themselves. Because if your only strategy to solve monetary policy is to print more money, you're introducing inflation, uh, forced inflation onto a, a society that either doesn't understand it or can't do anything to solve it. If you're wondering why the stock market is still performing at all-time highs, uh, but regular people are getting $1,200 checks or losing their jobs, and we have unemployment that skyrocketed, that's the reason. They, they printed that money, they gave it to their friends, and their friends decided to buy their own stocks so that they can keep their investors happy and comfortable uh, so that they don't feel like they have to sell all at once. Because in any market, it's an escalator up, but it is an elevator down whenever that market cycle happens. So <laughs> the name of the book is Bitcoin in Black America. And I appreciate you uh, saying you like the, the title. I knew it had to you know, be something that caught people's attention. One of the only things I wanted to make sure is that the title of this book basically could tell you what the book was about. Uh, what got me into writing the book, when I first started thinking about writing this book, I wanted to be efficient and the message that went out to anybody who wanted to learn about Bitcoin. But uh, as a consultant, 80% of my clients were Black. And some of the problems that they had were based on systemic racism, were based on wealth inequality, and they were only problems that most of the Black community uh, saw. So I decided to write a book. Uh, I believe some people get complacent reading books and don't actually do anything. And I wanted to make a point 
uh, to put solutions in this book, make it a quick read, easy to read for most people, and you can get out and start actively working on a solution. So it's about legacy. I don't ever want to be known as somebody who had a chance to change how things are. And I just sat on it because of whatever reason, maybe, you know, some people are scared. Some people don't think they're smart enough. It doesn't matter. Just if there's some sort of solution to solve the, the problems that black Americans have faced for years, I want to try and be one of those people to help solve it. Man, I love that. I love that. You know, it, it is so easy for people, for myself. I mean, I've done, I did this for years. It's just pop on podcasts, read the news, do, do all these things that consuming information isn't being involved. Exactly. It is not taking action. And it's very easy to think that you're doing this because it does take up your time. It takes up hours of your day to consume that information, to be educated enough to hold a conversation on certain topics. And once you're all said and done, you feel, felt like I did something. This is I'm doing my part. I'm an informed citizen. But unless you put what you learned to action in one way or the other, if it's writing a book, if it's doing a podcast, if it's making a YouTube channel, if it's communicating with some sort of action or driven uh, consequences uh, or, or results, then you're not doing anything, even though you feel like you are. So I really appreciate what you said there. But you also said that you have some solutions in that book. Yes. And I want to talk about those solutions because you are equating blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin as part of the solutions of, of, of what's happening right now in Black America and in America in general. Man, can we go into that? Absolutely. So again, like I said, I'm a very solution-based person. And one of the things I wanted to do was provide solutions and meet people where they are. Uh, a lot of times in the Bitcoin space, people are so smart that they're dumb. Um, they know everything about everything, but they can't explain it to anybody because they use way too many big words and jargon that nobody really cares about. Plus, they forget they're talking to humans. Humans always have their own interests at heart. When you're talking about Bitcoin in general, Nobody cares. They're like, all right, whatever. Uh, how does this affect me? So one of the solutions right. I came up with was right now, if you're a business owner, you need to be accepting Bitcoin right now. Um, there's no excuse to not do it. Um, you have plenty of payment processors uh, that can take away the volatility that people are scared of uh, with Bitcoin. You have plenty of different options with Shopify, with BTC pay server. Um, you have coinpayments.net, plenty of ways to accept Bitcoin. So as a business owner, uh, accepting Bitcoin is one small step that you can take. Second step is as a consumer. Well, anywhere that you shop regularly, ask if they accept Bitcoin. Um, just asking, I've seen, has brightened people's eyes a little bit because they're like, hold up, that's a thing? Like people actually want to spend or use Bitcoin? And when you reply yes, I can tell you as a business owner, if four or five of your customers keep asking, do you accept Bitcoin? Do you accept Bitcoin? You'll start to at least Google it. Uh, <laughs> you'll at least look it up uh, to accept it as a business. So you have to have both of those aspects uh, in the community in order to get started. Also, um, one of the solutions that I brought up is that the church, uh, the black church, which is in almost all of the worst neighborhoods that black people have, uh, they consume a lot of wealth. If you look at a lot of black neighborhoods, there's two or three big, huge monstrosity churches sitting there. Uh, they take 10% of the wealth out of that community with tithes and offerings, and they don't really have much to show for, even though they've sat there for decades. And the reason I put that onus on the black church is we have a responsibility. If you are technically the biggest money maker in the neighborhood, and if you're supposedly providing people uh, with the things that they need to survive, then you need to have all the solutions at hand. And I think Bitcoin um, as, a, as something to donate is a great solution for black churches. Got a couple of questions about what you said here. 
Why is Bitcoin, a, so you think Bitcoin is a solution to this and how can Bitcoin stay in communities? You say everybody should accept Bitcoin. Everybody should get take Bitcoin or ask your local stores within your community if they do accept Bitcoin. And if not, why not? Because it's super easy, help them set it up. But how would this actually solve some of these problems? Uh, so one of the things that you have to, to remember about Bitcoin uh, is the scarcity of Bitcoin and the ability to create a circular economy around it. Uh, is you know paramount, and the, what I mean by that is um, when you have a community of people who spend the same type of money, and it is outside of the dominant uh, money system. What you have is an economy that supports itself without ever having to change back over to fiat, and that is the sort of circular economy I want to see in the future. Whether Bitcoin is a uh, reserve asset or whether it's used uh, as currency, um, either one is fine. But in the black community, what can happen is if you have Bitcoin. And you own a business. Uh, if you accept Bitcoin for payment uh, at a certain point, you can start to pay your employees in Bitcoin. Those employees, if they shop with black owned businesses who accept Bitcoin, they can spend their money there. Uh, if you have to pay bills um, to certain people and they start to accept Bitcoin, you never have to go back to the fiat system. Um, and at a certain point, if you start to get manufacturers and bigger companies, which you're starting to see now, accept Bitcoin for payment, you can basically create an economy outside of the uh, fiat system that we've seen so far, where you can have money go from business owner or from uh, employee to other businesses and then circle back uh, to them. And you can keep that money within that community for way longer than five years, uh, simply because Bitcoin is here to stay for, for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. So I think with a digital economy, uh, with Bitcoin as a payment system or as one example of a payment system, and then the thought process of keeping money in the community, uh, like Black Wall Street, like Rosewood, in Florida, like the Black Wall Street in Wilmington. Yet that that mindset of keeping the money in the community, that's the only way to build wealth and generational wealth long term in your community. So if you have the same if we're using the same money and it works and it's better money than what we have now, that is how we create that circular economy. That's the solution I want to see long term. You're almost saying that the black community during this time in is a prime time to not only go out and change the social systems that are, are within America right now, but the black community should take the lead of revolutionizing and being the revolution in the financial system and start living outside of America's greenback or the dollar. Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Uh, at the very least, we need leverage. Um, I'm tired of seeing black politicians crying and asking, please, can you stop? Please, can we get this? Please, can we get... Asking makes us look weak as a community. I'm frankly tired of seeing it. Um, and one of the things you have to do is you have to take action. Nobody believes you. Nobody's... Uh, you can't beat a bully um, without something. Uh, and the only two solutions I've seen since I've been alive has been money or violence. Uh, violence mm. is not the route that you want to go. You do want to protect yourself. So let's talk about the money. If we, as a community come together and say, hey, we will exit this system and the trillions of dollars uh, that we have basically helped create in this country uh, will exit to Bitcoin. At the very least, you'll get taken seriously and banks will have to change their practices. Um, a lot of credit unions who are around, they'll have to change their practices. And one of the things we'll start to see is that if we can always say, hey, if y'all start messing up again, we'll just use Bitcoin. Uh, that'll at least give us the leverage. Now, that is just a you know worst case scenario. Best case scenario is we actually do exit the system, use Bitcoin, and we can do and enact trade with other countries who are who have 
Bitcoin solutions and you can pay with that, whether African countries, Caribbean countries, European, doesn't matter. You can still have an active black community of businesses working with Bitcoin outside of the system and never have to convert back to fiat. So I think Bitcoin is the best peaceful protest. Let me challenge this idea for a little bit, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Why, again, why Bitcoin? Bitcoin, I understand, is very symbolic. Also, it's the leading cryptocurrency out there. To say use Bitcoin is saying that we want to start a revolution within our communities using something that is free and open to everybody. That doesn't give leverage long term if everybody else adopted the same currency. Wouldn't it be better if, say, there was like a BLM coin? or something that would separate the black community from everybody else. So therefore the ecosystem of the black community can live within the black community and doesn't, it would take a barrier of entry, kind of like the US dollar, kind of like uh, the British pound or what have you. You have to get those British pounds uh, to be able to operate within Britain. You want to be able to get that currency to be able to operate in the black community. If it's a readily, readily available to everybody, is it really leverage? It's not leverage against other groups of people. Um, the leverage that I'm speaking of is if you have government issued currency and Bitcoin is a direct competitor to that, that's the leverage you have against the governments that are controlling the money that you use. If anybody can use it, that helps us because we're not starting from scratch. And if you've been in the crypto space long enough, starting a currency from scratch is very, very difficult. And uh, one of the things you have to remember, too, is that if we do start a currency from scratch, what blockchain would you use? Um, I would suggest building it on Bitcoin. You can have a Bitcoin fork, 100%. <laughs> exactly. so Bitcoin is always going to be at the, the base of it. So even if you build on top right. of that with sort of a black dollar type stable coin where people can transact in that money and not have to go back to fiat, that is a very possible solution. And I've actually talked with a few people who have those types of solutions uh, right now. The problem is liquidity. You have to have a mass amount of liquidity for the stable coin to work, or we'll just go back to fractional reserve banking. You also have to have a community that supports it. So that means instead of just accepting what they do now, they will have to accept this money as well. And then you have some other problems. I don't think other communities understand. There are lots of black people who don't want to be known as a black owned business. They just want to be a business that happens to be owned by a black person. So you will have some infighting with black people that is unnecessary, in my opinion, um, because if you start a new currency, they'll say, well, I don't want to accept it. I don't, I don't only want black dollars. I want all the dollars. Um, but then when you say it's Bitcoin, anybody can use it. Then, yes, everybody can shop with black owned businesses and can use Bitcoin with uh, any black owned venture. So I was born in 1979. There's been a lot of revelations throughout when I when I was born to now that made me go. This is the time. This is the time that things are going to get right. I, I, I was surprised, even in this last 2020 election, I thought that the Kickstarter for a real movement, a real social movement, was when um, Bloomberg was running for president. And it came out that stop and frisk was a thing mm -hmm. like, it, it, for long, so, so long that nobody believed that it was just targeting black communities. Then you had the mayor of New York City go, yeah, I'm, I was targeting black communities. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. That's the fire starter. But it just fell away. What do you personally want to see happen from this movement that's happening right now? I want the black community to have a concerted uh, effort towards making uh, or having an economic base. Because when the smoke clears, like you said, you've seen a lot of, of things that black people have talked about for years and they get ignored until somebody comes out 20 years later and admits, oh yeah, that was true. Again, like I said before, us asking or us trying to appeal to the people that have uh, oppressed us before does not work. The only thing that works 
And the only thing that I've seen actually scares the people who are uh, in power is when you say, we're going to change our economic system. Um, and if we can do that at a, a large scale, they will be bankrupt. Because the only thing I've, I've seen a lot of people uh, who have done stuff against black people, the only thing that scares them is when you can bankrupt them, which is very evident by all of the corporations. All of a sudden, we support Black Lives Matter. We support Black Lives. We love black people. Because <laughs> they were about to lose money. That's, that's, the, that's the truth, though, right there. And I was, like I said, you only have two choices. Leave the money and buy it. So if you're not going out and you're not about to start uh, assassinating CEOs based on their, their track record, then you need to bankrupt them. And the only way to do that is to not spend with them or to use a money system that ignores them completely. And last question, this solution that you keep talking about, Bitcoin, what's the process to get black communities using Bitcoin? I mean, of course, coming on shows like this, but you, you really need to rally up a lot of people to do a lo the same thing at the same time. To, to try to piecemeal this will not really work. What is, the, what is the path to take to get this mass adopted in the black community? Oh, yeah. So my, my personal um, plan to get a mass adopted is... It doesn't, I don't have to tell everybody about it. I just have to tell the right people. So a lot of people are, are considered black leaders. Um, like I said, pastors who are very trusted by a lot of older black people in the community, um, certain politicians with the Congressional Black Caucus, rappers and entertainers, uh, spokesmen like uh, Dr. Claude Anderson, Thomas Sowell. Those type of people are the people I'm trying to get my book in their hand, because if they can read it and they can understand it, when they tell their crowd, it grows exponentially. So I won't have to get millions of people to do it at the same time um, when the book comes or whenever the solution I came up with uh, my startup blockchain, whenever businesses can sign up and get Bitcoin invested, uh, working with companies like Square Crypto, hopefully, or some of these other big companies that will sort of kick it off. August 11th, there's something going around now. Um, it's like a black Bitcoin buyout on or before August 11th. Uh, we are looking for every black person with cash out. Um, to or even without to buy Bitcoin, even if it's five dollars worth. So that might be the Kickstarter. You said getting rappers into Bitcoin, man. We talking about Kanye twenty twenty? Oh man, well, Kanye's <laughs> <laughs> known about Bitcoin a while, but uh, yeah, yeah, I have uh, a few rappers that already have my book. Um, I have my book going out to rappers like Killer Mike, some of the bigger names that speak out politically, um, and then some of the rappers who have talked about it themselves, um, Childish Gambino, Kanye, even other artists like Madonna. Um, they've started talking about cryptocurrency. So yes, kids listen to them. And when they speak, uh, you know, a lot of people look up to them. So definitely have to get it in their hands as well. Isaiah, man, thank you very much for coming on, man. And good luck. And if Killer Mike gets that book in hands, please come on and talk to us about it. Oh yeah, most definitely. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Yes, sir. And in other news, Bitfinex must head to court over the New York Attorney General's allegations, denying Bitfinex's request to scrap an $850 million fraud investigation. The New York Attorney General states that the USDT, or Tether, is not backed one-to-one -to, -one to the US dollar like claimed, and that Tethers, which are only backed 74% by the US dollar, are nothing more than IOUs. Bitfinex says, I want to get this thrown out of court because Tethers aren't securities, so the court doesn't have jurisdiction here. Well, the court said, mm, yeah, we do. Then Bifinex said the New York Attorney General's investigation wasn't related to New York State. Then the court said if there is even one transaction within New York, then it's sufficient enough to have jurisdiction to come and investigate you. And since several people in New York use Tether, the New York Attorney General has jurisdiction. So the court denied Bitfinex's motion to dismiss, and we'll see you in court.
co-creator of Bitcoin Ponzi scheme, BitClub, pled guilty to helping create and defrauding investors out of $722 million in Bitcoin. Silvio Bellassi now faces up to five years in prison and a fine up to $250,000, which seems like a drop in the bucket to the three quarter billion dollars that they stole from investors. Just recently, the suspected head of BitClub, Russ Medellin, was arrested in Indonesia after invading law enforcement for almost six months longer than his peers. He finally got caught on sex charges when three underage girls were seen leaving his apartment in Jakarta. This crypto space just has the worst of them. And in some positive news, Jack Dorsey, back again, with donating $8 million to newly established UBI or Universal Basic Income nonprofits. This donation came from the pool of $1 billion that he committed to helping causes related to COVID-19 relief. So far, $500 per month was given to 125 residents since February 2019. Universal Basic Income became mainstream when presidential candidate Andrew Yang campaigned on the promise of giving everybody in America over 18 years old one thousand dollars a month he said this would help relieve the financial burden on people that are losing good paying jobs to automation around the country people are more and more finding themselves at service industry jobs that pay less because manufacturing and industry jobs are going more and more to robots that are more efficient and have less far less injuries they can't get injured they're robots this leads to both parents in the house having to work full-time less parenting for the kids, greater poverty, less generational wealth, and so on. Universal basic income could help curb that downward trend. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening. Just a little bit of housekeeping. I'm gonna let you know that every Friday, I'm gonna try to do an op-ed or a long form interview to kind of spice up the show a little bit, kind of give you something different from the Monday through Thursday set format. Friday, a little something, a little more in-depth, a little bit more of my opinions, and a little bit more from the community. Please remember, wherever you're listening to this, leave us a five-star rating and a comment and share this with your friends. And don't forget, Decrypt.co has an app. Download it to your iOS device or from the Google Play Store to your Android device and get the news in the palm of your hand. We'll see you Monday.